Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives, and follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. I do want to let you know that uh, coming up on the Amazing World of Radio, Amazing.GreatDetectives, on Sunday, listen to a special episode in honor of the late Betty White, in which we'll present an old-time radio episode in which Miss White appeared. You can check this out over at Amazing.GreatDetectives.net coming up on this Sunday. Well, now it is time to get into this week's episode of Jeff Regan. The original air date is May the 12th, 1950, and the title is Oil for the Lamps of Burbank. My name's Regan. I work for Anthony J. Lyon, Detective Bureau. They call me the Lion's Eye. Jeff Regan, investigator, starring Paul Dubov as Regan with Frank Nelson as Anthony J. Lyon. So stand by for mystery and suspense and adventure in tonight's transcribed story, Oil for the Lamps of Burbank. There was a girl in it, a young pretty girl about 19, and her father, a scared little man who couldn't remember the last time he'd had an opinion. There was a boy about the girl's age, and he was dead. And then there was a woman. It all started with a phone call, a simple little five-cent phone call that the lion answered that Friday afternoon. Only what you didn't guess was that the conversation on the other end of the line was more than five cents worth of trouble. I've got that. Uh, could you speak a little louder, please? Oh, yes, indeed. I'll send a man right out. Hello? Hello? Mm. Hang up on your fatso? You are, yes. Jeffrey, I'm glad you got here. Sounds bad. Oh, Jeffrey, it is bad. That poor man, he, he could hardly get the words out. What's his name, Lion? Uh, name? I don't know. Uh, he talked so softly, I barely understood him. But you said you'd send the man out. Well, I did get the address, Jeffrey. It's in Burbank, 216 North Cordova Street. He told me that before he told me the rest. What's the rest? Well, there's something about his daughter. She's in jail for murder. Then he mentioned someone else. I think it was his wife. He wasn't sure. He wasn't sure if she was his wife? Well, he just didn't seem sure of anything. He didn't or you didn't? Now, Jeffrey, you know I always get the facts of the case. Like the client's name? Well... Or why he wanted to hire a private detective? Well... Now, Jeffrey, there were extenuating circumstances. As head of the Lion Detective Agency, I can only do so much. After all, some of the work is up to you. How much is he paying, Fatso? Fifty dollars. You heard that all right. Uh, uh, well, uh, he said that before his voice got so soft. Sure he did, Fat. So he probably repeated it a couple of times. Uh, repeat? Yes, as a matter of fact, he did it. Well, don't just stand there, Regan. Get out there and see our client. The lion produced one of his more operatic-type roars, and I left the office. 
Twenty minutes later, I found 216 North Cordova, a two-story stucco house surrounded by apartments. The street had just been paved, but that didn't stop the rest of the yard from looking like an oversized sandpile. When the door finally opened, a little man, bald and red-eyed, stood peeking at me from behind thick-lensed glasses. He wore a pair of house shoes, an open vest, and a frightened look. You're, uh, you're from the detective agency? My name's Regan. Uh, well, I'm Clarence Andover, Mr. Regan. Uh, pl- uh, please come in. I, I'll have to ask you to speak softly, Mr. Regan. My wife is upstairs asleep. Please sit here. My uh, boss said something about your daughter, Mr. Andover. My daughter's in jail, Mr. Regan. I just don't understand. They've taken her to jail. When? Uh, Last night. They took Dorothy to jail last night. You want to tell me about it, Mr. Andover? But, uh, Mr. Regan, she didn't kill Jimmy Withers. She wouldn't kill anyone. Maybe you better take it from the beginning. Uh, Well, the police. Uh, They came here this morning and they told me Dorothy was in jail. They said she'd shot Jimmy. Don't you see, Mr. Regan, Dorothy wouldn't hurt anyone. Jimmy was her boyfriend? Yes, they were, well, almost engaged. Clarence, you see, uh, are you talking to someone, Clarence? It's my wife, Mr. Regan. Oh, Clarence, answer me. I speak to you, I certainly expect... Oh, you are talking to someone. Well, Clarence, aren't you going to introduce me, or isn't your wife important enough to be introduced to strangers? Uh, yes, dear. Uh, this is Mr. Regan. He's a friend. And how do you uh, do, Mr. Regan? You're selling something, I imagine. How do you, you do, might Mrs. as well know we aren't interested in buying anything. We certainly can't afford to buy anything on the little money Clarence makes. He should have told you that. Clarence, uh, Mr. Regan shouldn't isn't you selling have told anything, the gentleman Emily. we can't afford to buy anything? What's that? He isn't selling anything? Uh, 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 Mr. Regan is a private detective, dear. Mr. Regan is a private detective. Clarence, what on earth is a private detective doing here? Haven't we had enough trouble for one day? I called him, Emily. You called him? Well, of uh, all... Do explain it, please, Mr. Regan. Clarence, I'm waiting for an explanation. Look, Mrs. Andover, it's about your daughter. Dorothy? <laughs> she most certainly is not my daughter. Uh, my first wife died 15 years ago, Mr. Regan. All right, your husband's daughter, Mrs. Andover. She's in trouble. Your husband figures she needs help. Well, he's certainly right. For once in his life, the girl does need help. But I assure you, Mr. Regan, it's not the kind of help that requires a private detective. What that girl needs is spiritual and moral guidance. If Clarence had thought of that sooner. It's just like I always told you, Clarence, that girl would come to no good. You'll bear me witness, I told you so. Uh, yeah, well, well, So, Mr. Uh, Regan, if you'll just leave us alone, I'm quite sure we can handle our own problems. Isn't that right, Clarence? Well, Clarence? Uh, yes, Emily, I, I guess that's right. Well, thank you, Mr. Regan, for coming out. Yeah, we'll get along, I'm sure we'll get along. Won't we, Clarence? Yes, dear, we'll get along. Clarence Andover wanted help. He told the lion he'd pay $50 for a private detective. Only Emily, Clarence's wife, didn't see it that way. I decided to stick with Clarence. I headed my car for the city jail.
five minutes. Dorothy. My name's Jeff Regan. Your father sent me. Daddy? He thinks we might help straighten this out. Then he, he knows. Your father knows you didn't kill Jimmy, Dorothy. But we got to prove that. I knew he'd believe me, Mr. Regan. Daddy believes me. Suppose you tell me what happened. Well, Jimmy and I, we were in his car. We parked by the side of the road. Must I tell it all over again? If you want me to help. They made me tell it so many times, so many times. I know, but try it just once more, for me. All right. All right, I'll tell you. We were in Griffith Park, Jimmy and I. We were talking, really, just talking. Go on, Dorothy. Suddenly somebody stuck a gun in the window and shot at us. Jimmy yelled, and, and I yelled, and then... Then I guess I fainted. You didn't see who did it? No, no, I just couldn't see anything. It was so dark, and there was this gun in the window, and, and that's all I remember. When I came to, the police car was there, and they were looking at me, and... What else? The gun was in my hand. The gun that killed Jimmy? Yes, that's what they said. That's all of it? Yes, that's all of it. Tell me about Jimmy. What did he do? Who were his friends, his enemies? He didn't do anything. He used to work for Daddy. Daddy has an electrical appliance store in Burbank. Jimmy used to work there? She made Daddy fire him. Your stepmother. She's awful. I hate her, Mr. Regan. I hate her. Why did she make your father fire Jimmy? Because... Because he stole something. Tell me about that. He and another boy, George Dennison. They robbed the store one night. But Jimmy didn't really mean to do it. He, he brought everything back the next day. He, he just let George talk him into it. Daddy was willing to forgive. But not your stepmother. She took Jimmy to the police. They kept him locked up until he had to tell him who else was with him. So Jimmy told on George. He didn't want to, but they made him. It stands to reason George Dennison might like to get even with Jimmy for that. George had a bad record. When the police found out about him, he was sent to jail. And they let Jimmy go because he brought everything back. But it didn't do any good. What didn't do any good? My stepmother phoned everyone in town and told them not to give Jimmy a job because he was a thief. Is there anyone else who knew Jimmy who believed in him? My uncle. He believed in Jimmy. What's his name? Uncle Peter. Peter Cheney. He's not really my real uncle. He's, he's my stepmother's youngest brother. But he's not like her, really, isn't he? He's, he's a lot younger and he's nice. He, he works for my father, too, and, 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 and he lives with us. Maybe I'll have a talk with him. You'll like him. I'm sure you will. Why don't you give him a chance? He's uh, kind of odd at first. That's only because my stepmother brought him up. Okay, Dorothy, I'll talk to him. Oh, there's... There's one more thing, Mr. Reedy. I haven't told anybody about that. Yeah. Jimmy and I... We were going to be married tomorrow. <laughs> I checked out front for Lieutenant Sanducci, but they said he wouldn't be in for an hour. That gave me time to run out to Burbank and the girl's father's electrical appliance store. Only when I'd driven halfway out Riverside, I discovered something. Something I didn't expect. Behind me, a gray coupe that had been there since I'd left the jail. I was being followed. But when I pulled up in front of Andover's appliance store on San Fernando Road, the gray coupe was gone. 
May I help you, sir? I'm looking for Peter Cheney. Then you've come to the right place. May I show you something in electrical appliances? No, thanks. Fine. If you'll step this way, I'll show you our new home. Exhibit. Suppose we start with your home. Now, here we... Uh... We have the latest in coffee makers. With this little gadget, I can assure you... Look, Chaney, never tell me about Jimmy Withers. A nice boy. Now, here we have a waffle baker, fully automatic, and it serves four people just... Okay, Chaney, now we'll talk my business. Do you think your niece killed that boy? Dorothy Andover is not my niece. She's my sister's husband's child. I know that. Skip technicalities. I think we'd better skip the entire discussion, sir. I don't like your tone of voice. Jimmy Withers was killed at 11 o'clock last night, Cheney. Where were you at the time? I was at home reading, and I have a witness to prove it. Now, crude fellow, get out. That took care of that. Peter Cheney hurried off to another customer, and I walked outside to my car. Then I got another idea. A gray coupe had tailed me to Burbank and then disappeared. But maybe it had pulled over to a stop just before I did. Maybe the gray coupe was waiting for me to get started again. I left my car and walked down the street, then back. No sign of the coupe. Then I moved around the corner and back behind Andover's appliance store. There was a parking lot back there, and there was a gray coupe parked in it. The same car that had tailed me from the jail. 1941 Nash. License plate number 26N99072. But that wasn't what I wanted. What I wanted was inside, wrapped around the steering post in a neat little celluloid folder, the registration card that would tell me who drove the gray coupe. I leaned in, moved it around to where I could get a good look, and... Oh! I never got a chance to find out. It was late afternoon and the sun was slanting behind the ancient brick buildings and there was fog. Fog mixed up with the sunshine and the taste of gravel in my mouth. I was lying in the parking lot behind Andover's appliance store and the fog was in my head. I sat up and looked around. The gray coupe was gone and with it whoever had bent a blackjack over my head. I got up, dusted off my pants, and decided to have a talk with my old pal, Lieutenant Sanducci, so I drove down to police headquarters. Uh, Regan, they tell me you wanted to talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Sanducci. You look like you don't feel very well. You know, that could be the most honest statement I've heard all day. <sighs> okay, Regan, what's the trouble? The girl you got on a murder rap. Dorothy Andover. Go on. You sure, Sanducci? All the evidence points directly to this girl. But you asked me if I'm sure, and I must tell you the truth. I am not. But you're still holding her. Regan, she was found with a gun in her hand. The boy was sitting beside her dead. What else can I do? Turn her loose and pray for a miracle? Okay, okay. What about the dead boy? He was mixed up in a robbery with another kid about six months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I know what you're thinking. The other one's name was George Dennison, the bad one. But you checked him. Of course we checked him. Regan, believe me, there'd been any other way. George I... Dennison had an alibi. Six witnesses, Regan. Six. Spent the evening in a bar. So we have the girl. Ah, there goes your malamin. What does that mean? What a rotten way to make a living. <laughs>
George Dennison, the logical suspect, had six witnesses that he was nowhere near the scene of the crime. But I still wanted to talk to him. I went out to a phone booth in the lobby and called my boss, Anthony J. Lyon. The Lyon Detective Agency, Anthony... Me, Fatso. Jeffrey! What's so surprising about that? Jeffrey, you get up here to my office immediately. Is that clear? Listen, Lyon, I'm in the middle of finding... I don't care what you're in the middle of. You report back to my office at once. And, Regan, if you aren't here in ten minutes, you're fired! that clear, Mr. Lyon? I'll sue. I won't have you and your employees disrupting my life. Regan, come here this minute. That's the man. Arrest him. I want this man arrested. Regan, do you know this woman? He most certainly does know me, and if he says he doesn't, then he's lying. Yeah, I know her fast. Now, just a moment, Mrs. Handover. Suppose we hear what Mr. Regan has to say about this. Well, Mr. Regan, what do you have to say about this? About what, Fatso? You know very well about what. Did you or did you not come to my home this afternoon? I did. Did you or did you not hear me say that my husband does not require your services? I heard you say it, Mrs. Andover. Mr. Regan, I will not tolerate your impudence. I told you we were perfectly capable of taking care of ourselves. And let me assure you, I intend proving it. Regan, why didn't you tell me Mrs. Andover had fired you off the case? So you're lying to your yes, employer. Yes, of course. Shut up, both of you. Ugh. Now, suppose somebody tells me just what the complaint is. Well, Regan, you had Young no man, right man, you to... had no right to investigate the private lives of my family. The very idea of your questioning my brother. Oh, so that's it. That most certainly is it. He'd have phoned me that a man had been in the store questioning him. And I knew immediately that you would be just such a person. Well, I'm going to put a stop to it. You all through, Mrs. Andover? You too, Fatso? <laughs> Okay, then I'm going to tell you something, both of you. There's a girl sitting down there in a jail cell. She's charged with murder. Well, I don't think she killed Jimmy Withers. I think she's telling the truth, and I'm going to find out one way or another. I'm going to find out. And you, Mrs. Andover, or you, Lion, aren't going to stop me. Have I made myself clear? Just stay out of my way. There was one visit left to make. One more place to add facts. I phoned Lieutenant Sanducci down at headquarters and got the address. Then I drove out. Boyle Heights, Wilmot Street, four-family flat. And out in front, out front of the four-family flat was parked a gray coupe. A gray coupe, 1941 Nash, license number 26N99072. I moved faster. Yeah? I think you and me are going to have a talk. He ain't home. You're home, Dennison. You left your car parked out front. What's it to you, Flatfoot? Your memory's not that short, George. Move over. That's better, George. Now, suppose we talk about a robbery. You trying to frame me, Shamus? A job you pulled about six months ago. You and a kid named Jimmy Withers. Get lost. Thanks, George. I may be here all night. Ah, no, no. You got the wrong guy, all right. Jimmy stooled on you the next day. You remember that, George? You were sore, real sore. Jimmy not only stooled, he took back the stuff you'd stolen. <coughs> Oh, you don't, Shamus. Not anymore, you don't. Oh, George has a gun now. Well, put it down. Stay right there. We can add gun without permit. We ain't gonna add nothing, Shamus. Not assault or battery or nothing. Stand back. We'll add plenty. 
Now, let's not waste any more time. Leave me alone. Who killed Jimmy Withers? I don't know. Why did you rob Andover's store? It was his idea. He had the combination of the safe. Jimmy was just a clerk. They don't give clerks the numbers to the safe. He got it somewhere. He had inside dope. He told you that? Yeah, yeah. He wanted me to plan it. Then why did he squeal? Because of the girl, he said. Because he was in love with some girl. Finish it. He, he was afraid he'd lose the girl. She had other boyfriends? I don't know. I don't know. Why did you tell me, George? Why did you sap me? I... I was down at the jail. They had me for questioning. I saw you leave Santucci's office. I figured you were trying to frame me. You were going to make trouble. You made your own trouble, George. Plenty of it. You're going to frame me for that murder rap, Shamus? Just for assault, for carrying a gun without a permit, for trying to use it. You framed yourself. I called the police and waited for a squad car to pick up George Dennison. They came and went, and I drove back through town toward Burbank. Yes? Oh, oh, Mr. Regan. Mind if I come in, Clarence? Well, uh, well, I wouldn't mind, Mr. Regan, but you see, uh, that is, uh, my wife is upstairs. She wouldn't care much for the idea, that it? Well, I, I wouldn't say exactly it's that. It's okay, Clarence, I'll say it. Besides, your wife's the one I want to see. Uh, well, if you say so, Mr. Regan, I suppose... Thanks. You know, uh, I, I'll tell Emily you... Just uh, a minute, Clarence. I want to ask you one question first. Uh, very well, Mr. Regan. Last night when Jimmy Withers was shot, were you at home? No, 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 I wasn't. I, I was at a lodge meeting until midnight. You see, Emily said... There was I... just Emily and her brother Peter. Uh, why, yes. We can talk about it later. Suppose you call your wife. The nervous little man shuffled up the stairs rather than raise his voice to call Emily. Glanced back at me once, unsure, worried, then moved up to the second floor. There were voices up there for a few minutes, and then down the stairs came Emily Andover. Emily, in all her bombastic glory, a housecoat wrapped around her big frame, hairpins holding down a mass of twisted ringlets. Emily the Queen, handed for a crown. Well, Mr. Regan, and what excuse are you giving for barging into my home again, meddling into my affairs? Uh, Mr. Regan, You stay I out of this, think... Clarence. What I've got to say is for your wife. Mrs. Andover, you spent the evening at home last night. Yes, I did. Your brother, he was here with you? Yes, he was. All evening? Mr. Regan, I'm going to call the police. I said all evening? Oh, yes. But you're not sure? Yes, yes, I'm sure. You sat here all evening with Peter? What is the meaning of this, Mr. Regan? Are you trying to imply that I lied to the police? Yes. But... Uh, Mr. Regan, you shouldn't say a thing a like that. A boy was murdered last night, I... Mrs. Handover. Your husband's daughter's in jail for that murder. Sure, she's not your flesh and blood, she's your stepdaughter. But Peter Cheney is... He's your flesh-and-blood brother. He's yours. Mr. Regan, Yet I... you'd lie for what's yours and let another man's daughter die for a murder she didn't commit. That's not true. It's not true. It isn't? You don't believe in murder, do you, Mrs. Andover? Murder is wrong, but you provided an alibi for a murderer. No. Peter Cheney, your brother, shot and killed Jimmy Withers. Shot and killed him because Jimmy was about to take Dorothy away, because Jimmy was about to marry her. No. No, that's a lie. Peter Cheney followed them to Griffith Park. He shot Jimmy Withers, he returned to the house, and you provided the alibi for him. No, no, he wouldn't do a thing like that. Peter wouldn't, he couldn't He wasn't do a... home with you all evening. No, no, he wasn't. He went out about 10 or 10.30, came back maybe 30 minutes or so later. Yes, yes, he did. But Peter wouldn't kill anyone, I know he wouldn't. He's my brother. He's... Thank you for defending me, Emily. Peter! Mr. Regan is lying, Emily. You and I both know that. Peter, that 
the gun. Well, Mr. Regan talks too much, my dear. We wouldn't want some of those lies spread around the neighborhood, would we? Or to the police, Cheney. We wouldn't want them spread there. Precisely, Mr. Regan. Just the way I feel about it. Peter, what... What Mr. Regan says... Emily, you shouldn't have admitted to Mr. Regan that I left the house last night. That was quite wrong of you. But, Peter, I... You didn't know you'd lie for a murderer, Mrs. Handover. You didn't know because he happened to be your brother? (laughs) Mr. Regan, I don't like what you're doing at all. You're undermining my sister's faith in me. To say nothing of my dear brother-in-law. Is that right, Clarence? Don't talk to me. You see, Mr. Regan? My sister crying and my brother-in-law trying to act like a man again. Terrible what you're doing. Like you did to Jimmy Withers. You gave him the combination to the store safe. You encouraged him to pull off a robbery so you could turn on him, have him arrested, and have Dorothy for yourself. How did I know Jimmy was going to bring everything back the next morning? When George Dennison told me Jimmy had inside dope... It began to make sense. George also told me Jimmy was afraid of losing his girl, Dorothy. A lovely girl. Dorothy's quite fond of me, you know. So she told me in her jail cell this morning. When I added the robbery and the other man Jimmy was afraid of, it had to be you. You wanted Dorothy, but you'd let her go to prison for your crime. But I was sure George Dennison would be arrested. He'd been caught stealing in the neighborhood before. He hated Jimmy, and he had a prison record. Naturally, I was... I was quite shocked when he turned up with such a good alibi. You're hateful. Hateful! Sister, dear, that's no way to act. After all, you are an accomplice. And then, too, we must kill Mr. Regan before he brings ruin on both of us. No. You mean you aren't going to supply me with another alibi? Emily, dear, don't forget you have to save your own skin. No. No, I won't do it. I don't care what they do with me. I don't care. Even Emily, Peter. And you, Clarence? Surely you don't want to see poor Emily in prison. I want to kill you. Clarence, stay right where you are. I've hated you from the first moment you set foot in my house. From the moment I first saw you looking at my daughter. I listened, Emily. I gave you a job. I supported you. Clarence? I am not going to listen to Emily any longer, brother Peter. I am not going to let you and your sister destroy what's left of my life. Stop him, Clarence! (laughs) All right, Peter, I'll take that gun. No, no, yes! Uh, Clarence, you all right? Yeah. Yeah, yes, Mr. Regan. You... You saved my life. I know. Not me, Clarence. Once you, you saved your own life. Lieutenant Sanducci showed up for the prisoner, Peter Cheney, and with him went his sister, Emily. It made sense that Emily wouldn't get off scot-free for lying to the cops, but Peter, he could plan nothing less than life. Clarence Andover watched them go. And the look in his eyes gave the whole thing more meaning. Clarence didn't need either of them anymore. Even my boss, Anthony J. Lyon, was happy when I showed up for work the next morning. The flowers are blooming this spring, Tala, the flowers, Jeffrey. Happy today, huh, Lyon? Uh, well, uh, uh, not especially, Jeffrey, not especially. Funny, you sounded to me like a guy who just received a check. A check? 
Why, why, how ridiculous... Jeffrey, who told you? Clarence Andover. He said he was mailing the fee to the office last night. He did? Oh, the fee. Yes, 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 he mailed the fee. Just like I said, $50. Very kind of him, I'm sure. $50. Yes, yes, Jeffrey. I uh, I deposited his check at the bank this morning. Well, I'd have saved it to show to you, but you see, I wanted to get to the bank early. Avoid the rush. You understand. Oh, sure. I understand. Uh, banks are crowded these days. If I'd gotten there any later, why, why, why even as it was, Jeffrey, the line was half... Way down to the next counter. Fifty dollars, huh, Fatso? Well, uh, Jeffrey, there was a small bonus included. Uh, Mr. Andover just enclosed a little something to buy a new doormat. <laughs> you know, Lion, one hundred dollars will buy a lot of doormats. Yeah, one hundred dollars? Who told you? That Clarence Andover added another fifty because we saved his daughter? Well, now, Fat Oh, it... very well, Jeffrey. A hundred dollars is in the bank. You'll get your share. Well, thanks, Fat So I already have. What? I was at the bank this morning, standing in line right behind you. Jeffrey! <laughs> Jeff Regan, Investigator, is written by William Frug, produced and directed by Sterling Tracy, and stars Paul Dubov as Regan with Frank Nelson as Anthony J. Lyon. Original music is by Dick Arant. Bob Stevenson speaking, inviting you to be with us again for more transcribed suspense and mystery and adventure with Jeff Regan, Investigator. Welcome back. I do think that Regan is probably smart to get his portion of the bonus money out himself. Not sure entirely ethical, but smart to do so given the way the lion uh, approaches things. The title of today's episode uh, actually harkens back to a film called Oil for the Lamps of China, a book and later a 1935 film starring Pat O'Brien. 
Uh, the plot of the movie doesn't bear any relation to the plot of this particular episode. It's just one of those little plays on words. The way the episode ended up, there was definitely a bit of over-the-top melodrama, but not in the same way that you'll hear on uh, New York programs. Well, listener comments and feedback now. And we have a comment from uh, Jan who writes, Hi Adam, I love your show. I do have an issue about the current Jeff Regan. He calls his boss fatso too much, too often in uh, a single conversation. No one would take that abuse. Does it bother you or anyone else? Well, uh, thanks so much for the question, Jan. Uh, You know, this is not something that has bothered me. So I do kind of get the repetitiveness. Now, certainly there are repetitive nicknames. Like if you listen to something like Let George Do It or uh, Wally uh, Mayer and uh, Michael Shane, they call their female associates uh, Angel. But the repetitiveness of that doesn't really bother anyone. It's only when you've got something like Fatso, or I remember, you know, in Stand By for Crime, people got really annoyed at Glamorpus. So is Fatso the Glamorpus of 2021-2022? Maybe for some folks. I kind of do take it uh, to its historic uh, context. I think that there were a lot of men who were not nearly as sensitive about their weight as your average 21st century male, myself included, might be. In fact, you had famous uh, people whose names were Fats or Fatty, like Fats Domino, Fats Walker, uh, Fatty Arbuckle. In fact, if you look into it, there were people in the first half of the 20th century who were gangsters or politicians who were nicknamed or known as Fats or uh, fatty, though. I think fats was more common. I mean, the uh, guy who offered his own form of rough justice in yesterday's program was named Fats. So it's hard for me to get too annoyed at Fatso. It's just kind of an era thing, and it doesn't seem to be something that the lion objects to. It's just part of the quirkiness of Regan and Lion's uh, relationship. And then we got a couple of uh, comments from Joey regarding some of our Boxing Week programs. Uh, He writes, uh, I'm enjoying Boxing Week, maybe a Circus Week next. And, uh, you know, I've thought of Circus Week. I don't know if I'll do it next, but... Uh, it's certainly something that I think would be fun, and there's a whole lot of circus-related uh, programs. It's definitely a summer uh, series sort of thing. I did have an idea for something else for summer, but if there's a great interest in circus, we, we could do that instead. Though I'm certain if I don't do circus week in uh, 2022, I will eventually do one, as long as the show keeps going, because there's so many fun uh, circus-related episodes. Thanks for the suggestion. 
Uh, and Joey comments uh, regarding the Boston Blackie ex uh, episode, the interaction between Boston Blackie and Inspector Faraday is somewhere between kind of funny and completely annoying. Yeah, it straddles the line, and certainly there are some uh, listeners who will come down either way. Uh, but Joan uh, writes in, it was nice to hear Boston Blackie again. Uh, thanks, Adam, and Mike concurred. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now, it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Garrick, Patreon supporter since January of 2018, currently supporting the program at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Garrick. Well, I did want to go ahead and let uh, you know that we are actually getting near the end of our run of previously uncirculated episodes of Jeff Regan. We only have three more weeks left, and so coming in four weeks, we'll be bringing you previously uncirculated episodes of another series. So more on that to come. That will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Jeff Regan, but coming up tomorrow we take a listen to The Man Called X, where... I'm sorry to have to pull you off that Bramby case, Joe, but with Ken Thurston on the sick list, well, you've worked closer with him than anyone else. Well, all I know about it is what I got from the newspapers on the way up here, Chief, and that wasn't much. Uh, you don't have much more ourselves, Joe. But Sir Hartley Manning was on board that plane, and that's reason enough to drop everything else. Yeah, I know. You and advisor on North African affairs, the only man who's ever shown a chance of bringing about some permanent agreement between the Arabs and the French. Yeah. He was supposed to give his decision on the Arab farm loan in Paris today. That's why the lid's ready to blow off over there. You see, nobody knows for sure what his decision is going to be, and each side's blaming the other for his murder. I suppose there's no doubt that it was murder. No, oh, no. The plane was literally blown to bits. It couldn't have been an accident. Joe, somebody put a time bomb aboard. Well, one thing's certain, Chief. It's got to be solved fast, or there's no point in solving it at all. I know Algiers pretty well. One spark can start a blaze. There's a plane standing by. It's ready to leave whenever you are. I guess I'd better start. Uh, oh, Joe, there's... Uh... One other thing. Don't know exactly how to say it. And I'd rather that Ken Thurston wasn't told just... Hmm? And Joe, I just got the full passenger list a little while ago, the victims of that explosion, and... Well... For what? One of the names was Pagan Zelschmidt. Pagan... Yeah. No. I've always been pretty rough on Zelschmidt, but... Well, I'm sorry. Pagan. Well, all of us here in the Bureau have been pretty rough on him. And you come right down to it, underneath it all. No. Well, Chief, I'll, I'll call you from Algiers. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. And follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.